Hello, how are you? I am doing pretty great myself, and I certainly hope you are as well, especially if you're listening to this, especially if you're having a nice time around this holiday season, this wintry mix, these uh, these cold but happy affairs of fun and joy and snow and holidays and family. I hope you're having a wonderful time. Welcome. This is episode 29 of the Intellectual Kitchen. And I am Max, and I'm going to guide you through some more design principles of good food. So um, the, the topic I want to focus on today is color. Color, colors, coloring, color correction, colorized colors. Um, <clears throat> we have talked at great length uh, on this show about uh, about making food taste good and about uh, about really pouring pouring one's own uh, intentions and 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 uh, and warmth and heart into making uh, really great food. We've talked a lot about that on this show. One might say uh, that's our theme or, or that's sort of one of the one of the more clearer solutions we have to the question, how do you design really good food? Um, and that is fantastic and that is wonderful, but it is all based on taste. We talk at great length about how things taste, uh, about how how things appear a little bit. You know, we talk about appearance a little bit, presentation. We haven't done it much, but that's kind of another area. We do we do very much consider uh, and heavily weight how things taste, how they dissolve, mix together, interact with each other. These are all about, you know, about textures, tastes, all these... Uh, these wonderful things. But today I want to focus chiefly on visuals. And uh, and chiefly is is a bit of, of sort of sort of the wrong word to use because when you talk about when you approach the food design thing from any perspective, whether it's taste or visuals or something completely different you do end up balancing the other aspects into that given perspective a little bit. You don't have to do it a lot, but they do come up because the way good food works is through a balance and a sort of coalescence um, of all of these things. They all work in harmony together to present and uh, act on the idea of good food. So we're going to consider visuals. We're going to consider what food looks like in terms of color primarily. But in doing that, we're not eliminating the taste discussion. We're not eliminating the smell or the feel discussion. We're not closing ourselves off to the other senses. What we are doing, though, is sort of 
attacking from a different perspective and later on bringing in the others. So let's get started on it then, shall we? Um, colors in food change all the time. And I think that's, that's the first point I want to make. Um, there, there are some key areas that we can identify and, and split into uh, in terms of this color discussion. One of them is, is change, changing colors. So it is often that when you bake something, when you're required to heat something in particular, a recipe will, uh, will guide you to, towards what the final result of a certain step should be based on expected color. So I think you'll often see, uh, for example, a recipe says bake or stir or heat or, uh, or boil, something like that, until golden brown, for example. Uh, now, golden brown is very commonly used for this purpose. Golden brown so often is, uh, is used to indicate when, when, usually when something with a lot of dough has been fully baked. Um, and, you know, the, the, the fact that we use colors so directly in recipes and, uh, and more specifically in terms of what state uh, food that you're making should be in after taking certain steps, really, uh, that really confirms the the value of color, I think, to foods that we're making. I mean, we trust what food looks like so much uh, when we eat it. A lot of times people are turned away by food that they don't, they don't like the looks of. Uh, and other times, many other times, people are very much attracted to food uh, because of, again, because of its appearance. And sure, this may be related to uh, a very, a very old problem of considerations of visual appearance and external appeal. But I think for food, which you modify very delicately and very deliberately, I think color and external appearance are critical. That is not to say that you can't make good food that doesn't look good. You absolutely can. And the opposite is true as well. The inverse is true as well. You can make bad food that looks good. I, I think that was the inverse. I might have that mixed up. But but the the quality of food can can uh, doesn't need to follow uh, the appearance of food. That being said, because we so often perform physical and chemical changes to food in making recipes. So heating things, mixing things together, more complex operations like, um, 
like sauteing and uh, um, marinating. And uh, there's one that I had in my mind in particular, uh, sauteing, marinating. Can't remember. Anyway, because we do things to food, because we act on it, make changes actively, color is really important. And a lot of times, the changes that we make to food, so mixing things together, adding, removing, modifying, heating, sauteing, marinating, all this stuff, often changes the physical appearance of food. So color is more important than ever in in making good food, um, and in determining in in determining whether certain processes are complete. You know, especially. In recipes. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that, as I said, good food needs to can only be good if it looks good, or any food that looks good is good. That's not. That's still not necessarily true. But when, especially when you're baking things or when you're cooking, when you're designing food and putting a lot of components together, the visual appearance is a concern for what you're making. And color, I think, in particular, really influences um, the really influences what is considered to be of normal appearance, of common appearance, and and what's considered to be a little different or outlandish or a little bit of an oddity uh, in the in the food design world. And I think we have this sort of dependence almost on colors in food because they change so frequently. That's, that's the point I'm trying to make in, in sort of this key area of, of the color thing is that colors, they are important for food because they change so much and because we can influence them so much. So if you, um, if, if, if not if you, if uh, I was gonna say, if you uh, if you're making food, color is often a concern, and we 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 do we do really care deeply about this. I really believe we do care deeply about this, and I say that with confidence because of the way recipes depend on color and because of the way our norms for food depend on color and because of how much uh, what we're willing to like and willing to try even depends on color. Now, for food, I, I say this thing about, uh, about norms and establishing norms and, and what we view as common uh, and, and, uh, and accepted in terms of food categories. Now, I suppose this, this pushes into, uh, into a bit of another point. Uh, so we've covered sort of changing colors. Now we're going to look at, at how colors influence what we believe is common. Uh, and then I think I'll touch on one, one final, more, a little more general idea of perception of color in food before we sign off for the week. Um, but we, we've still got a little ways to go here. So, um, color 
establishes norms. And by that, I mean, if you saw a, uh, hmm, come up with a color. If you saw a purple orange, I know, I know that sounds like an oxymoron because orange is the name of a color. But, but let me put it this way. If you saw a purple clementine, you'd think it's, you know, it's probably not normal. Uh, and you might be a little concerned as to, as to what it really is. Is it a real clementine? I've never seen a purple clementine before, you might ask yourself. And, 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 and you might be fooled, perhaps, uh, by your assumption and prejudgment of that color. You know, the idea that, well, certainly that can't be a clementine because, and, and why? Well, because every clementine I've seen before in my life has been the color orange. And, and truly, I believe you, but it could also be so that there happens to exist a rare purple clementine, and this is your first time coming across it. And, and, I th- and if, you know, if that's the case, which I don't believe it is, but if that's the case, then I think you'll end up learning about the purple clementine. You'll probably end up trying it. You may even end up liking it, and you may come back for more. And so the purple clementine then will always be a bit of an oddity in your mind, but at least you've accepted it as a possibility for the tangerine, or excuse me, for the clementine. And it's just it just so happens that it's not exactly the norm. But still, you may be unable to push past this idea of what a normal clementine looks like, especially if you've been having clementines all your life, and gosh, I've never seen a purple clementine before. But just because you haven't, it doesn't mean that clementines can't be purple and that purple clementines can't be good. It's just a little different. But I think we have a very strong association between color and definition of food. Not, not, uh, I mean, mean, on a higher level, this is an association between appearance of food and definition of food. Specifically, though, I think it has to do with color. I mean, we think of vegetables often as green. We think of fruits as more, uh, more of the the lighter, richer colors, and again, sort of oxymorons, but we think of fruit as, as, you know, blue, red, orange, yellow. We think of bread as white and brown. We think of, you know, uh, legumes and, and things like potatoes and squash and things that grow underground as darker blacks and browns. I really do think we have a heavy, heavy association between color and definition of food. Um, This isn't inherently a bad thing, but I do think it can lead to a lot of judgment on appearance uh, as as it occurs with with so many different foods. But I do think this can be spun around uh, in in a good way, and I I will touch on that at the end. Um, but colors are used to establish norms and it makes sense because next to taste and smell, which are absolutely critical for eating good food, sight is, uh, is a close contender. Now, of course, if you, 
if you if uh, if all you can do is taste your food, if you're not smelling or seeing it, it's still going to be very very good. But I think if I had to choose the two most important senses next to taste of food, it would be smell and sight. It would be smell and sight. And and that's just by nature of it. I mean, we 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 happen to smell and taste food. We happen to smell food as we taste it, as we eat it. It's just part of what's happening based on uh, how our senses work and the environment around us, especially when we're eating. And we also see food. It's uh, it's it's part of the food experience. It's sitting at the table and looking at what you're going to eat. And I think uh, food that doesn't look particularly appealing or that doesn't look what we've considered to be normal or like anything we've come across before is bound to be a little concerning and perhaps uh, uncertain as to in, in terms of our perception of of what it's going to be like. And these are all these are all modern modern but long reaching into the past issues of dependence on appearance and external presentation. And we still very much depend on those for food today. Um, it's a bad thing when it's, it's, when it's, uh, it, it, you know, it's a bad thing when it becomes a problem. That's a bit of a circular assertion, but I think it's a bad thing if, uh, if people are, are turned away by, good food that just doesn't look great but it's you know at the same time it's it's a judgment in sort of the sense that um people choose what they want to eat and so it's uh it's a little less uh, i think less biting than than uh when for example when you judge people based on their appearance which is you know a a real problem food food is not uh, that nearly that serious of a problem. Um, if you decide not to have food based on what it looks like, uh, all right, sure. But I'm willing to bet there's some really great food that doesn't look, doesn't look the part, doesn't, you know, doesn't look as good as it tastes, which is unfortunate for the fact that many people will avoid eating it because they don't like the way it looks. However, you know, it is, I think, possible to make good food look good. And this sort of delves into the presentation because when, when food looks good, it's not taking anything away from it. It's just that you have to build in a little extra thought and a few extra steps to make some foods look particularly good and striking. And and I think, and I'm kind of reaching into my third point now here, which is presentation of food and, and, and what benefits color has for food. Because when you, when you think about color in food, you think about how it can affect food, food's appearance, how it can deter from the norm, and, and sort of how it how it influences this whole dynamic of senses and how it's important to 
to, it can be important to you to get that right, to make your food look really great. And I think that's particularly important because, well, yes, it'll, it'll look great and that's exciting. But I think people are really drawn to uniqueness in color, uniqueness in experience. The first thing that happens before people eat your food is that they see it. And eventually they smell it too. But especially if they're, they're if you know, if it's being brought to them or if, uh, if they're waiting in a line to get some of it, you're probably going to see it before you even smell it. Regardless, you're probably going to see and smell it before you taste it. But I'm focusing on sight here. Because people love unique things. And sometimes people take a little while to get over the idea of things being different or not not conf- not a not being consistent with uh, some assumed norm or convention or history of appearance. But for food, I think uniqueness is of real merit, especially uniqueness of appearance. Because if you bring out purple clementines, eventually people will be excited to try them. And they'll probably wonder, well, what's the story behind these? Where do they come from? Why are they purple? What makes them purple? What makes what I've known to be the regular ones orange? Do they taste different? Where are they from? What can I do to find some of these? Why did you choose to serve purple clementines tonight or today, depending on what time of day it is, of course. And driving a conversation like that solely through the appearance and the color of food is, I mean, well, yeah, it's amazing that you've driven that conversation, but I think it also just opens a lot of paths. I mean, for for people to get excited about other colors of food, for you to be able to serve more than just, you know, more than just that crazy color of food. And for, for people to understand, to start to understand that there's more to food than what they've known as conventional colors. Because if there's, if there's one thing the colors do, just flatly in terms of design and appearance, it, they add a lot of pop. They add vibrancy and, and charm and, and some punch to this whole business of, of making things good. And if you can influence that visual design aspect by doing crazy things with colors, and by crazy, I mean, you know, you don't have to go crazy with it. You can, but I, I, at least exceeding expectations. And, and, and generically, on a generic level, I mean, um, it, uh, in a generic level, I mean, uh, uh, hitting, hitting unknown expectations. And I say exceeding because I think it really is exceeding expectations. But what I really mean is surprising and being 
what some people would say is out of the ordinary. Now, I, I don't think this, this, uh, this design challenge, as it were, is solved by buying a bunch of bottles of food coloring and mixing them into everything you make. I mean, not only is food coloring kind of gross, it's also just not the way to do this. And in some ways, too, it's, it's like sort of the easy way out. I think what you really should do, if you want to go crazy with the colors in your food, is find foods that, have, that, that really have colors that people aren't used to seeing. And don't just blindly put them into a dish. Make something new. Make something great. Or modify something you already have. I don't, uh, I don't often eat beets. I haven't eaten beets very much in my life. I think I've only had them in probably less than five times total. But at, at, uh, at the Thanksgiving dinner that I attended uh, about a month ago, the salad had beets in it. The beets were, uh, they were chopped up, diced, some might say, uh, into, into little pieces, all sort of different shapes and sizes. And they were integrated into this salad, which was an absolutely fantastic salad, by the way. You, you want to talk about, you want to talk about salads being, being really great and more than just an appetizer. This salad was great, but I digress. The beets were, were amazing because they were this crazy wild deep purple merlot burgundy bordeaux color uh a little on the on the on the darker side of that so 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 a very deep purplish red and they were they were amazing because well they had so they had this captivating color Right, and I was so, so excited by that, and excited to, to try them. And they were part of this salad, so I was, I was going to eat them, but I, I, you know, I was thinking, well, they, they look so fantastic, they look like no other food I've seen before, and I had, I had seen beets before in my life. I knew they had this wild color, but I couldn't remember the last time I had beets. I don't know if I actually had had beets ever before that. But I was excited to try it, and I thought, you know, beets, they're vegetables, okay. They're this great color, okay. I don't know what they're going to taste like. All right, well, let's try it. And when I had them, not only did this beautifully colored juice flow out, but also they tasted good, and they tasted very subtle. There was not much to them. They were very watery and very mild, and it was just like a little hint of, of flavor. And that's what beets taste like, I guess. And, and my point of telling this story is that you can integrate something like beets very nicely, very smoothly, into anything that you want, really. And it'll change the taste a little bit, but what it will really change is the color. A lot of uh, a lot of food companies and designers use uh, use beets to color foods. I think exactly for the reason I've derived here, because they've got a great color and a very simple and subtle taste. But you know, don't stop at beets. Some of the most vibrant foods have very simple flavors. So, like beets, 
with their purples and reds. Carrots, they're orange. Um, and and I I don't know a, a ton of of these. Well, berries too. I mean, berries flavors are not necessarily simple, but blackberries, raspberries, and blueberries in particular have very deep colored juices, and and uh, and those are precious in terms of of dye and in and and color and appearance. And I just I just think you can do a lot more with color based on the very simple tools like existing foods, you know, not food coloring and not crazy recipes and modifications. But but you could do a lot with what we already have just by blending, by mixing, by amalgamating these things together. I really think color has a fantastic place in the design of food, in the visual appearance of food, in the appeal of food. And honestly, it seems, a little bit at least, it influences the taste, certainly our perception. The other thing is that, you know, if you're using something like blueberries or beets or carrots to color food, you're still adding a little hint of that simple flavor. Now, it's a simple and subtle flavor, so it's not going to turn anyone away, hopefully. But as you add color, you add a little bit of flavor. And so that's another thing to balance in the mix. So that's fun. And it, and it makes it, again, as this has always been, a very wholesome experience. It's about balancing all the parts, keeping everything in flux. It's a, it's a coalescing mesh of features and ideas all coming together to make good food for good design, for good reasons, for people who like good food, for people who are willing to try things, hopefully not just based on their appearance, for people who are willing to branch out and try new things, for people who are willing to try things because they seem genuinely interesting, not because of how they look and not because of how they're colored. But that being said, if you can integrate really fantastic, wild, beautiful colors and appearances into your food, it will look great. It may draw more people to it, and it will get people asking questions, which is the really cool part of all this. It's not to take appearances and make it into a discrimination issue and make people decide what foods they're going to eat based on what they look like. And it's not a huge issue for food, but it is an issue for anything that has an appearance. So it's an issue for everything. But for food, I see color and appearance taking this wonderful role of influencing goodness when it's there and not doing much when it's not. And so I think it's important that we give this a lot of thought, that you put thought and dedication and effort into deciding what something is going to look like, influencing its appearance, adding some color, getting questions to be asked, and getting people to really love whatever it is that you make. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. This has been episode 29 of The Intellectual Kitchen. 
I hope you enjoyed our discussion of color and appearance in food and what you can do to make your food look awesome and taste awesome and what's really important in designing food. Hey, if you haven't seen Star Wars The Last Jedi by now, I really encourage you to go check it out. It is a fantastic, fantastic film. We will be back next week in the new year. It is almost 2018. Happy New Year, and as always, have a nice week. Enjoy yourself.